0: the incidence of vector-borne disease in the Pacific is growing and people are being encouraged to do more to counter it. Various species of mosquito are responsible for spreading malaria, Zika, dengue and chikungunya. In the Pacific, according to the Pacific community, over the 10 years to 2021, there are 69 recorded outbreaks of dengue fever, 12 of Zika virus and 15 of chikungunya, where the World Health Organization points to soaring malaria levels in Solomon Islands. The impacts of the diseases can be deadly and in PNG, malaria has been one of the biggest killers for many years. Don Wiseman spoke with Tom Brickett, a professor at the Institute of Tropical Health and Medicine at James Cook University in Australia, about the issues. and began by asking why the disease numbers are burgeoning.
1: Well, there's a, there's a number of major issues that are happening in the Pacific. One is the movement of mosquitoes. I mean, the mosquitoes have been... Becoming established in different areas, a really good example of this is the Asian tiger mosquito, which Australia is trying to keep out of uh, mainland Australia. But it was introduced into the Pacific and has spread across the Pacific. So that that's a second dengue vector, and actually the the Pacific is unique in the world, and it's got twelve different species that can transmit dengue, and probably they also can transmit Zika and and chikungunya as well. Uh, so that's that's a major um, a major issue that's going on, and also urbanization is a major sort of factor. And these mosquitoes, particularly Aedes aegypti, is very much a domesticated mosquito. It lives in close proximity. It lives in our houses. It lays its eggs in buckets of water and and tires and things like that that are around human households. So we create a very suitable habitat for these dengue vectors. And, And that's why I think one of the reasons that we're seeing uh, uh, more, of it, more and more challenges, more and more outbreaks of these diseases.
0: Yes, climate change, of course, is a factor as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it certainly can contribute because climate change is really, real. we always think about the temperature, and the temperature is important in, in regulating the speed at which mosquitoes in, uh, develop, the, the rate of generational change, so building up the population, but it also affects the... Multiplication rate of the virus inside the mosquito, but one of the big things about climate change is the uh, changing water patterns. So, so mosquitoes have an aquatic stage and an immature stage, and so rainfall is very much going to uh, regulate the availability of of larval habitats for these mosquitoes.
0: The urbanization argument uh, is interesting, but I was thinking particularly about. I saw a report talking about. In Solomon Islands, a 40% increase in malaria between 2015 and 2021.
1: I, I had a conversation just yesterday with someone talking about the increase in malaria in the Solomon Islands. It, it has gone up, certainly. Solomon's was looking really good to, and was talking about elimination of malaria from selected provinces. And there's a lot of reasons, just reasons why this is happening. One of them is, I think, that is uh, logistics. And availability of the the drugs and the diagnostic tests and the in the anti mosquito measures and their availability and their distribution within the country uh, and the quality of those products is certainly a factor that's uh, playing an effect for uh, malaria in in across the Pacific. Well, at least in, in those countries where malaria is endemic. And so in the Pacific, we're talking about uh, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, and Vanuatu.
0: So a lot of these people in the past, they wouldn't have been diagnosed.
1: That's right. They wouldn't have been diagnosed. So we do have a better diagnostic test. But again, we have to get those tests out to the, the health clinics in all the rural areas. And that can be quite a logistic challenge in, in remote islands you know, that uh, are dependent on boats and stuff to get materials out to them.
0: So the extent of these vector-borne diseases is increasing. What can be done about it?
1: Well, one of the things that we're involved in a project that's supported by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade of Australia, together with the uh, support to the Pacific community from uh, the European Union and the government of France, is we're trying to address some of the major challenges that many of the Pacific Island countries are small countries, as you know and they have limited human resources, they have limited infrastructure. And so what we're trying to do now is we're embarked in a large training program to try to educate the vector-borne disease control programs in these countries to do things for which there's evidence of effectiveness. So it's trying to implement WHO-recommended best practices, because there's certain measures which are very popular but aren't necessarily very effective. And other things which we know from uh, many studies that have gone on, can be very effective if they're implemented properly. So part of it is educating the vector control staff, educating the people to understand mosquito-borne diseases and, and, and what they can do, trying to engage the communities. to uh, It's a way of expanding the workforce, as it were, to fight mosquitoes by engaging the communities to participate in both vector surveillance and control activities.
0: I think across the Pacific, people are aware of what to do at the time of a a dengue outbreak, for instance. But are we talking about something more elaborate?
1: There are certain interventions which we know are very effective. And, And there's others which are very popular. One of these is outdoor fogging. And that is not effective, but it's very popular. And it's popular globally because, I mean, it, it's a way of government showing that they care about their people, that they're doing something. It's a very visible activity. But because of the, the behaviors of the mosquitoes, those insecticide droplets don't necessarily impact the mosquitoes. And it's also a very expensive project as well. So you have to understand the mosquito behaviors and their movements and enable to target behaviors that make them vulnerable to specific interventions. And it really good example of that is is the major dengue vector, which is Aedes aegypti. It likes to rest inside houses. So if you fog outside, if if your outbreak is being caused by Aedes aegypti and you're fogging outdoors, you're not going to kill any aegypti. They're all inside resting. So you have to bring the intervention into contact with the uh,
0: mosquito. All right. So, in terms of temperate places like New Zealand, uh, are
1: they under threat? There's always there's always a threat of introduction of new uh, new mosquitoes. I think there's been several introductions into uh, New Zealand recently. I'm obviously more familiar with Australia, and a good example of some of the threats that we're seeing here was the outbreak of Japanese encephalitis virus, which was is very widespread. It was discovered in, in multiple states in Australia, which hadn't really been seen much previously. And part of that, so it obviously gotten introduced, it got widespread, and it probably says something about our surveillance systems not really being up to the task of being able to uh, ha- or, uh, detect outbreaks uh, quickly, uh, detect the either an invasive new species that's introduced or to pick up the pathogen in re- early in the transmission uh, cycle before it gets very widespread.
0: So it's very much a case of everyone being a lot more alert.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely.